Hey, and welcome to the CCWC podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning again. I don't know about you, if you have one of these, but there are many reasons why I appreciate this. There are many reasons why I would use it. There's things that are necessary about this, but there's something I found this week that's on sort of a short list of reasons why I despise this little box. (laughs) It has this way of bringing up these things that it calls memories in my photos, and it turns them into little videos of maybe 15, 20 photos that are from a certain time period or a certain event, puts them with a little bit of music, and then shows you, here's, and for parents you might recognize this more, here's what your kids used to look like. And I found myself last week sitting down as it showed me this video of my kids three years ago at a certain event, I found myself crying at this little jingle of where my kids were and as it went through and then showed me, here's another one you might like. Here's another one you might like. And after a half hour or so went by, I thought, what am I doing? What's going on? This is terrible. I mean, I was so encouraged to see where they were and, and so encouraged about where they had been. And I was so encouraged about where they are now. But somewhere in between, I didn't take note of the growth that took place over those last several years. In fact, you might realize this when there's people in your life, particularly the young people that are growing, you don't notice how old they're getting or how mature they're becoming when you're with them every single day. But maybe when you reconvene with a family member, maybe a niece or a nephew or somebody you haven't seen for a while, a grandchild, and all of a sudden it goes from last time I saw you right here to now I see you up there, right? And they just get older over time, and there's this snap change, and there's a picture that sits on my wife's dresser that I don't often look at. I don't often look at it, but yesterday, for whatever reason, I thought, I'm going to take a peek at this picture, because I know where it is, and I know what it represents, and I brought it. I actually had to take a snapshot of it, because it's an old one, right? And I, I, I put it on the screen for you, or somebody else is going to. For those of you who wonder, that's what I look like without a beard, if you wanted to know. That's me on the right. <laughs> This is the first picture Shriana and I ever took together. It's from uh, April of 2002. And she had to go and get it developed, actually, and told her mom that if this picture turns out that I'm going to marry this guy, it turned out okay. And I look back and I think, man, 20 years ago, so much has taken place in 20 years. I don't even remember that person, right? Anybody relate to that? You look at an old picture and you think, wow, that was such a long time ago. All right, get that off the screen if you would. That'd be great. <laughs> it's interesting to note that things change, that, that, that we change over time. We, we have these moments of change. We have long processes of change. And sometimes in the midst of how God works, there's even instantaneous change. But the amazing thing about God, the God who loves us, is he doesn't just love us where we are. He doesn't just love us in who we are, but he loves us so much that he wants to take us to a deeper, more engaged, more loving relationship 
with him. And sometimes that relationship requires that we take off this old self, this way that we're living, so that we might put on a new self that reflects him, that embraces him, that brings us into a deeper relationship with him. And so while it may be over the course of a long time, we haven't seen that person, all of a sudden they look different, or maybe it's just in one flash of a moment, but this change takes place where we aren't what we used to be. And instead, we are something new. We continue our series this week, third week out of the four, the book of Colossians. We're reading this letter that that Paul wrote. He's sitting in prison. He's writing to this church that he's never met before, but he knows the issues they're walking through. He knows they're walking through these issues of of those that are bringing in heresy and bringing in these things that that are not of God. They're not of the true gospel. And he's bringing in what we consider sometimes within the church as some specific, basic things that we might know that might be kind of a reminder. And if you remember the, the illustration I used before, that, that even though we, that, that our spouse or our child or our parent or our, our relative or our close friends know that we love them, we still tell them we love them, right? So this is Paul still telling the truth, even though they already simply know the truth. And what he begins to do here as we transition from the first two chapters into the third one is he goes from this place of saying, okay, here's the theological understanding. Here's the concepts. Here's the things you should know to this more practical, here's how you should live in light of the truth. You've got this old self, this way you used to live, and now this new self, this new way is right here for the taking. I have granted you this gift. I have granted you this reconciliation, this freedom, and now it's yours to experience. He goes from being to doing. He flips the script from theological to practical. And the amazing thing about Paul's letter here, just like much of the rest of Scripture, is there are some universal truths, some universal principles that aren't just true for the, for the, for the audience that he originally received it, but they're true for you and they're true for me and they're true for all the church to recognize, to live out, and to understand. We're going to read from chapter 3. If you've got your Bible, I'm reading from the NIV today, and it'll be on the screen. You can also pull it up on your smart device if you'd like to. And we're going to walk through a few things, and then we'll pause and talk about those throughout. And this is going to be a little bit more of an inductive week as far as uh, establishing an opportunity to be able to draw from the Scripture and then pull application out of it. And so as we go, we'll we'll, we'll pull out and we'll stop here and there, uh, verses 1 through 17. And then we'll save the rest. If you, if you know much about uh, the book of Colossians, you know at the end there's some uh, understanding of what it means to, to live in, in instruction in Christian households. We'll talk about that when the kids are in here next week. And parents, you can thank me for that uh, in advance. We'll start in chapter 3, verse 1, and it reads like this. Since then, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. 
This passage starts with a clear call. It's interesting to note that he starts here with this then that reveals that transition. Because of all this truth, because of the things that I have told you, chapter 1 and chapter 2, because of the way that God has moved and worked, there is a response for you and I. There is a response for us as human beings. To, to what God has given us, we have a response. And so then is this direction of what God has done and where we go in it. And the response is this, in short, since you are Christians, as you are now a Christian, become a Christ follower. What that means is for you and I, if, if we step into this relationship with Christ, it doesn't just mean that we, we step in, we say, yes, God, I want to follow you. I want, I want to, to be your, uh, I want to receive your salvation. I, I want to reflect the, the things of you. But instead, it means I want to grow in this faith. I want to have this relationship that continues to step forward in you. My life is changed because of the decision that I've made to respond to your kingdom, to respond to your invitation. I want to have a, a perspective that reflects that of heaven. Author Cornell West states this, If we have the kingdom of heaven within us, we should be leaving little pieces of heaven everywhere we go. That's a pretty deep statement when we think about the concept of what it means to live like Christ, because that means wherever we go, whoever we interact with, whether it be to drop off a little card that says, hey, I want you to come to church, whether it means just to be generous and loving and, and, and spread peace and kindness with other people. It, it means that we live out what we truly say we believe. We recalibrate. Paul states that, that we recalibrate to things of God. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, it says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put, away, uh, the, put the ways of childness or childhood behind me. And what he's saying here is kind of a, a nice thing because it helps us to see, hey, you know what? We don't come to God having it all together. We don't have to, to know everything or to have it all figured out or to be perfect. But what we do is we recognize that God wants to make us new. He wants to bring us along in this journey together. He wants us to know him and to grow in him. In other words, we, we've died to self, now act like it. You, you, you've made this decision, now live differently in light of it. If we're going to reset together, the first point is this, to set your heart and your mind on things above. Set your heart and your mind on things above. Set your compass. This is the moment where you direct towards true north. This is the moment where you say, okay, everything I do, everything I say, every way that I invest my time, my talent, my treasure are all going to reflect my heart and my mind being set on things above towards the one who loves. Not too long ago, I was throwing darts with somebody in their basement, me and, the, and, and, and this person who probably shouldn't have been throwing darts because they have a little bit of a shoulder issue, and you know who you are. You're actually in here right now. And then there was a couple of, uh, of my kids were throwing darts as well. And one of the things that I noticed as we're throwing darts is I'm hitting the dartboard most of the time. One of my kids is hitting the floor most of the time. One of my kids is hitting the wall most of the time. And the other person that's not supposed to be throwing is hitting the dartboard and where he wants to hit. And as time went on, after we've been beaten several times, me and my boys, we recognize with a little bit of, of help that we're not necessarily doing what we should be doing. He says, you know what, there's a, there's a part on the board you want to throw at. And I was thinking, well, I was just trying to hit the board, right? And my sons are saying, I'm just trying to throw the dart forward. I just want it to stick into something. You know, if that's our perspective in life, is just kind of trying to get forward, just try to move forward, just trying to throw it, just stick into something, you know what we're going to do? We're either going to stick into something or we're going to hit the floor. And what God's saying is, here's the directed target. Here's where you need to focus your time, your talent, your treasure, your hope. I 
As the passage continues in verse 5, it reads like this. You know, I'm not going to move on yet. I got a question that responds to that. You guys are okay, right? You're not going anywhere today? What are you aiming at? Don't, don't answer this. This is rhetorical. Don't answer this out loud. But what are you aiming at? What is your mindset towards? When you, when you get up and leave today, when you go about your business this week, when you engage in relationship with other people, when, when you spend your leisure time, when you spend your money, when, when you say, okay, I'm going to go do blank, what are you aiming at? Is it, a, is it a midst of trying to build your kingdom? Is it a midst of trying to put on some kind of persona? When you post something online, is the, is the desire there to glorify God or to point a, a, a directed arrow towards self or to try to hurt somebody else or to put forth an agenda? What are you? aiming at? Does it reveal that you set your heart and your mind on things above? All right, now that everybody's uncomfortable, I will move on. Verse 5 reads like this, put to death, therefore, this is the practical coming out, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on a new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Amen. Amen. Praise God for this reality. Praise God for what he has done. It, this, the response of all that we do, once again, is, is, in, is just that. It's a response of God's first nature, his first action. This, action. this therefore, is this put to death whatever belongs to the earthly nature. And then Paul goes ahead and says, if you need help with that, let me share some of these. And in verse uh, 5, he states them. Uh, put to death these things. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed. And then he puts this exclamation point, so to speak, figuratively on this and says, these are all idolatry, meaning these are things you put before God. And if you go back to the, to the big 10, to the perfect 10, you recognize that one of the main things that God's attempted to try to establish with us is this relationship where he comes first, right? And all of these other things are placed in the way to say, okay, is my priority this? Is my priority to, to that? Is my, is, my, is my allegiance here? Is my allegiance there? And God's saying, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you have put to practice chapter one and chapter two, so to speak, then your life will reflect the fact that you are mine and I am yours. And it is a one and only relationship. As we inventory each one of these, you can walk through there, and certainly there's this recognition that the heart and mind can be perverted, can be directed in the wrong place, can go elsewhere. And what God is saying, what he's establishing here through, through uh, Paul's obedience and writing this down is, hey, there are all these things out there, all these snares that Satan's going to attempt to try to use to try to tear you down or to try to draw you away. And you don't have to try to fight all these other battles. All you have to do is direct yourself towards me. Because you probably realize this just like I have, that if you try to fight the battle yourself, you know who wins? 
not us. But when you direct yourself towards God and tap into his power and his goodness and allow him to permeate, to lead and to guide, you know what happens? He wins. He wins. All right, I guess that's good enough. Let's move on. I got a little energy today. I don't know if you noticed that. You know, the sin of man has created the need for salvation. You know, verse 6, it talks about what comes from the reality of what we have done. We've walked a certain way in this old life and against these sins. And once again, he, he shares more anger and rage and malice, slander and filthy language, lies. It's, it's funny to even look at these or comical in some ways, not in a good way, but kind of in a sad way to think that some of these are almost accepted, right? Well, you know, I can, I can talk bad about this person because it's true. Or I can use this, this dirty language in context because, well, the guys at work, they all talk this way and I want to fit in and I, I don't want them to feel like I'm a goody-goody and I don't want to make them feel like they're, you know, they're, they're out of place. And so I'll just kind of, in essence, it's interesting because Paul doesn't say unless this or unless that. He says, these are the list of sins that we are against and therefore we should abstain from. Verse 9 and 10 goes on to talk about these dirty clothes and the new clothes that come from it. And I can't tell you enough how many times it's been nice to be out in the yard or out working. You feel really good and you you come in and you take off those dirty clothes. You get cleaned up and you put on new clothes. You feel fresh. You feel new. Not too long ago, I was walking the dog with my boys and we got this little puppy and this little puppy is uh, full of energy, more energy uh, than I am uh, excited about most of the time. And this little puppy likes to get into to most things. And we took the, this puppy for a walk and we're walking. And on our way back, we, we walked for nearly two miles. And it was a good long walk. It was a lot of fun. And on our way back, not 100 yards from the house, this puppy finds the smelliest, most disgusting treasure it's ever found before. I can't even define what it was. I don't even know. I didn't want to get as, any, any closer, but I, I looked back as we're walking, and normally he stays right with us. I look back as we're walking. He's not on a leash. He's just kind of going there, and I, and I look back, and he's, he's rolling around. His tail's going a mile a minute. I thought, what is happening? And I get back, and the closer I get, the smellier the area gets. And as I finally get to him and grab him, I think, oh, this is terrible. And I, fortunately, I had gloves on, but I, my sleeves came all the way down, and, I, and, and for whatever reason, he was, you know, he was really happy to see me too, and so he decided he was going to give me a little bit of what he had, and so all of a sudden, I smelled like this puppy smelled, or whatever this thing was, the puppy was, was rolling in, and I smelled so bad that it was one of those smells where even though you get a shower, it's still in your nose, and it doesn't go away. And so I get back to the house, and, and I say, honey, the, the, the puppy needs a bath, It happened. I don't know how, but it happened. She loves me, I guess. And, and I, I, I took the clothes I was wearing, I put them in the wash, and, and I, I got a shower, and I got all cleaned up and still could smell that nasty smell. And then finally, I, 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 you know, I get dressed, I put new clothes on, and, and for whatever reason, that smell kind of dissipates, goes away. I couldn't smell it anymore. And it was so interesting to realize, to recognize that 
after a while, what I, what I noticed or what I saw, what I thought was this dirty, nasty smell that was on the dog was, was on me. And, and then eventually as, as that went away, this new smell, this new aroma, this, this cleanliness came. And I thought, wow, there's this actual literal change that took place. There's this change that takes place when we literally take off something and put on something new. And, and when I look at it and liken it to what Paul's attempting to try to communicate to us as he's saying, hey, you know what? I, I'm not just, this isn't just lip service. This isn't just something that you say you believe on a Sunday morning or that you engage with maybe two or three times a week when you're in your devotional time or when you tell somebody about where you go to church. No, this is actually something that when you take it off, you get rid of it and you wear something entirely new. Because I can tell you if I'd have kept that garment on, that smell would have kept going. And probably what would have ended up happening is I would have gotten used to it. I would have kept smelling it, but the people around me, they would have smelled it too. And they would have seen the fact that what I measure up to or what I carry around is pretty stinky. Verse 10 talks about this new self, old self, and, and we'll, we're going into detail more on this because of this recognition that there's actual, an actual need for transformation, and the recognition there, and the point is this, that, that, renounce, that we're to renounce the old ways and live in accordance to the new ways of Christ's kingdom. And this renouncing doesn't mean that we hold on to it or that we keep it or that we even say, okay, I'm going to keep this cloak off to the side, this smelly, nasty thing, and then maybe I'll put it back on at some point when I get cold or when I need to, the comfortability of it. In fact, the definition of renounce is, is this, formally declares one's abandonment of claim, right, or possession formally claim an abandonment. I'm done with this. I'm a, a, away from me. It's, it's a rejection to stop using or consuming or to be part of a certain organization or a certain thing. It means to review, refuse or resign a right or position, especially one that one has an heir or is a trustee over. It means to totally step away, totally walk away, totally get rid of whatever it might be. To renounce our old self means that we never go back, that we never embrace it, that we never look back, that we never say, okay, the good old that we never grab onto again. Instead, we're focused totally, 100%, the new direction with our new self. And I recognize there is this balance between doing and being because there, there's, there's a, 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 a desire on the part of us as believers from time to time to try to say, okay, I want to do things for Christ. I want to do things for God. And there's a recognition there that that is an outpouring of who God is and what God has done. And so this new self that we are is simply two things. One, it is being, being in relationship with God, being a, recognizing that we are part of, of, of God's goodness, that we are his child, that we are created in his image, but it's also doing, which means that we live out our faith. And it's not the other way around where we live out our faith so that God will love us more. Instead, it is a, it is a, a motion as a result of what God has done in our lives. We're called to renounce the old ways. We're challenged, we're commanded to renounce the old ways and to live in accordance to the new ways of Christ's kingdom. Verse 12 through 14 reads like this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. In any, if any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love. 
which binds them all together in perfect unity. Do you know God chose us? You know, the way that this passage talks about is God's chosen people. God chose us, but he didn't choose us and say, okay, you have to do this. You can't make any other decisions. Said he chose us for a purpose and at the same time gave us free will. And those things actually work together. His sovereignty and human responsibility go hand in hand. Because his desire is obviously as the, the, the creator, the God who is in all things and over all things, his desire is to still allow us the opportunity to reciprocate his love through our obedience, through our, through our desire to want to follow him, to grow in him. And so as we look at this, we see that we've been given the mandate, we've been given the, 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 the call to put on a new self, to put on something new. But the reality is, when we talk about these other things that we take off, the, the sexual immorality, impurity, anger, slander, all these things, when we take off something, it creates a void for something else to fill. And so Paul is not saying willy-nilly, okay, get rid of all the bad things, but he's also providing for us these specific instances or these specific elements to put on uh, as God's chosen people. He says, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, because if you take something off, if you try to eliminate something in your life, that void is created and something is going to fill it. And so what Paul is saying is fill this void, fill this place in your life where you've eliminated the old self with the new, with gentleness, with patience, with love that binds all in perfect unity. Don't just get rid of bad things, but instead direct yourself towards what God has called us to, the compassion, the kindness, the gentleness, the patience. He also said to bear with one another in love, embracing this concept of saying it's not just an individual pursuit, but it's about us in relationship, in unity with one another. The most important thing here is to realize that it's not just an action, but it's a lifestyle that embraces God's goodness and steps forward in Him. Love binding all things in perfect unity. And the point is this, clothe yourself in the love that binds all things together in that perfect unity, binds all things together because of the reality that love is the only thing. God's goodness and God's love is the only thing that can bring full and lasting unity to each one of us. Full and lasting unity to this world, full and lasting unity, not just here on this earth, but also in eternity. And then Paul concludes, and it's interesting to note that he concludes this specific portion with, with what I would consider uh, kind of a summary in some regards, in some respects of everything that he's already stated. It says, let the peace of Christ rule, verse 15, rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. And I'll pause there for a minute. Let the peace of Christ rule means put on, take off the old self, put on the new, and in unity, in love, come together as one body. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another. And so what that means is we continue in this, this walk, we continue in this spirit of saying it's not just about me kind of holding it in, but allowing what God has done in me to pour out, to pour over so that others can be uh, embraced with his goodness, with his blessing, with all wisdom through psalms, through hymns and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And then verse 17 says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed... Do it all, not just 50%, not just at church on Sunday, not just when I feel like it or when things are going well, but do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I'm going to read that one more time, verse 17, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of 
of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Bringing it all together, the peace of Christ, this rule that has meaning within, this unity of the body, this being called to peace, directed by the word of God to teach and to admonish in wisdom. 17 talks about whatever you do, And however you do it, whether it's through your words, through your actions, may all of these things reflect in your praise, in your unity, in your love, reflect what God has done and who he is in your life. And the bottom line is this, let all you do and all you say glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's, that's simple. I mean, honestly, if you were to look down through these, these pass or these points today, all of them are in the passage. All of them are in the passage because there's direct practical application that, that, that Paul is attempting to try to establish for each one of us. And they all hinge on this point. Let all you do, let all you say glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, life gets easier when we glorify God. And I don't mean easier like everything is, is going to be work out, work out perfect for you and you're never going to have any issues. What I mean is it, it gets a lot less complex. It gets a, a lot less difficult because we recognize whose we are and who's in charge. We recognize who we are and what he's called us to. We don't have all these other allegiances and all these other things that we, quote, have to do. Instead, our goal, our desire, our action, everything we say, everything we do is is one direction, and that is to glorify the creator of all. When we do this, our hearts change. When when God talks about this this reality or when the scripture actually is, is written, when it talks about this reality of him giving us the desires of our hearts, he brings forth a new heart, new desire in us so that we might have a better heart, a better goal that's directed towards him. I'll even say this, it, it, it makes things, as we simply look at them, it makes things more simple. It makes establishing or understanding God's will more simple in our lives. Maybe not all the small little decisions that we have to make on different things, but when we truly focus on who God is and what he's called us to, the decisions we have, particularly even the big things, become more apparent. Let everything you do, everything you say, be a response to a heart and a mind that's directed towards God. I said earlier during the announcement time about how I feel almost convicted that I get to hear all of the the stories from those members that are coming into the church and the way that God's moved in their life and the way that they've they've stepped into uh, his goodness and they've stepped into his call uh, even to join this church or in many other ways as some of them are in different ministries or just uh, attempted to try to serve in their own context or in their families, all the things that have taken place in their lives. And then uh, in that that, that huge thing, I, I also encourage you to talk to them. But one of the things we do get is during the meal, we're going to have an opportunity to be able to embrace a time of of listening to the testimonies of those who are going to be baptized. And can I just say, those moments, those stories are some of the most treasured things, because not only is that something that we hear here on earth, but that is a reflection, that is a demonstration, that's an illustration of what Paul has called all of us to, and that is to step up, to live a life that glorifies, that honors him, and says, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want my heart and my mind to be directed towards you. And so here's one request I have, or one challenge I have. One, come come and join us for that service. Come and join us for that meal. Come and be here next week to celebrate together. But at the same time, don't just join us for that, but join us as a church in this, this, this mission, this journey together. Because it's not meant to be a solo act. Paul wasn't writing to one individual. He was writing to the whole church. 
for the church to come together in unity to glorify God with heart and with mind. I can remember specifically one baptism testimony a couple of years ago when we were here, and I, I still think about this even to this day, this moment of, of this person saying, okay, I'm finally going to let go and embrace God's, his, his call in my life. And I feel like it was such a, a huge picture of that monkey. If you've ever heard how to catch a monkey, how to trap a monkey, what they do is they, they hollow out a gourd and they put a small hole in it and they put a treat inside they know the monkey will want. And then the monkey comes and he reaches in or she reaches in and tries to grab whatever treasure it might be, but they can't get their hand out because they're clutched on to that thing inside that they desire so much. And the hunter can, or the trapper or hunter can come right up and grab the monkey because they, they, they know the monkey is not going to let go of that thing inside. They are bound, they are, they are trapped by their own free will, their own desire to try to hold on to whatever that thing is inside of the gourd, whether it be a treat or whether it be whatever it might be, they're, they're stuck inside of there. And I, I can't help but see that, that same thing played out in the life of this person as I heard their testimony for baptism and they said, you know what, I had my hand in there, so to speak. I was holding on to what I thought was so important. I had my, my, my mind directed towards throwing the darts at the wall. And if I hit something great, who cares what happens? They, they were so focused on, on their career, so focused on the things before them. And finally they realized God was just saying, let go. And as they let go, they were able to be free. To pull their hand out of the gourd and to go. And, and to just be free to allow God to change, transform, and move them. Some of you experienced that. Some of, you in, some of us in this room have experienced that. But I, I, I believe right now there's some in this room, you're still holding on. You're still holding on to old self. You're still holding on to whatever it might be that was so important, that is so important right now, whether it be a, a relationship or, or, or something that you desire in life. Maybe it's a specific sin, a secret sin even in your life. Maybe it's, maybe it's listed here, anger or, or lust. Maybe it's something that, that you, that's got a grip on you, a hold on you, and you're holding on to it, and God's saying, just let go and experience my freedom. Thank you again for spending time with us today. Thank you especially to those of you who give to CCWC. It is through your faithfulness that makes this ministry possible. Also, if you have any questions about today's teaching or if you want to learn more about CCWC, feel free to contact our office, check the web, or follow us on our social media platforms. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do encourage you to take a moment to subscribe and share it with friends. Let this be a blessing to someone else that you love in your life. You're always welcome to join us on Sunday morning for worship, or until then, we'll catch you on the next one. God bless.